0: should work for the absolute last shot here. And guess who they're sending the two? Dirk with a good tie with five, with four. Dirk Nowitzki for the lead. He's got it! Dirk knocks it down at the baseline. Novinsky.
1: And he turned around and high-fived Kobe Bryant. Kobe
0: slapped him on the backside as if to say, I've seen you do that before. How's it going, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Math Step Back podcast. I'm your host Dalton Trigg. I'm joined, as always, by my SIDallasBasketball.com dot colleague Matt Galatson, and we're just going to take a few minutes at the at the beginning of this one to kind of give our thoughts, kind of rehash, uh, you know, what we were feeling during. Uh, basically, you know, over the weekend and then the first part of this week and uh, with the tragedy with Kobe Bryant. And, I mean, it's been rough. Uh, very shocking. Uh, like you heard in our, our little uh, intro there, that was, that was a really cool moment. Uh, one of the last moments that uh, Kobe and Dirk shared on a basketball court. It was during uh, Kobe's final season. And uh, I mean, I don't know. Some, something like this happens. You you really don't have. You really can't put it into words. You can't. You can't make it. What's the words I'm looking for? You can't really understand why something like that happens. But what I'll say is, we're not going to spend a ton of time on it. But if you want to listen to something uh, that you know pretty much explains. I know what I've been feeling, probably what you've been feeling too Matt but uh, definitely go check out our guys uh, Bobby Coralla and Jeff Skin Wade. Uh, they put out a new numbers on the board uh, pod the other night and I mean that that, that was really good. I, I thought they pretty much covered everything we were feeling at the time but anyway, I mean it, it's just it's it's a tragedy uh, like, like I wrote about the other day. You know, from a Mavs perspective, uh, Mavs fans' uh, perspective, never liked the guy. I mean, <laughs> and that's putting it nicely. I mean, I I hated the guy. Uh, you know, growing up because he always killed the Mavs. <laughs> he had that uh, he had that game where he outscored them sixty-two to sixty-one through three quarters. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't know he. He just always, the Lakers always seemed to have the Mavs number, you know, with him there, and he always dominated, and it was just one of those things. But then, like I finished writing about in that piece, towards the end of his career, and Dirk was getting older, uh, you know, there was a lot more mutual respect. Obviously, uh, Dirk and the Mavs swept the Lakers in the 2011 uh, playoffs. They ended up winning the title that year. Um, I mean, I heard, uh, skin, he was talking about how Kobe was texting Dirk, um, you know, during those 2011 finals, like encouraging, encouraging him and giving him, giving him advice and all that, you know, and I mean, this is just like maybe a month removed from him being swept by Dirk. So, I mean, it's stuff like that. It makes you smile. Um, but Overall, just just a, a really tough time. We've all had to work our way through it. But Matt, what what are some of your thoughts on Kobe? Um,
1: <clears throat> it's hard for me. I mean, I I kept most of my thoughts. I I didn't want to write about Kobe because, um, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like he meant a, a massive amount to me is you know personally because I wasn't a Lakers fan um, I but he was a, he was a massive part of me watching basketball growing up um, but it's just I didn't think it was I like the way you did it but it, I <clears throat> it, I didn't think it was really my place to to write a a big long thing about Kobe because um I just I didn't know I didn't really have the words for it. I still don't really have the words for it. Um <clears throat> I haven't read a whole lot about it either because I, I mean I I have my own thoughts. It's just not something I feel comfortable putting to pay, to you know, paper or computer screen or however you want to say it, but um I'll say that like you I did hate Kobe for a long time. Um in a sports sense, I never hated him really, um, as a person or anything like that. Um, you know, <clears throat> after his his whole Colorado thing, I th- you know I think he made a massive change in his life and his lifestyle, and I was really impressed with what he became and who he was as a father. Um, and especially once he stepped away from the game. Seeing him, the way that he was with his daughters, and the way that he carried himself off the court, and how happy he was, and the things that he was accomplishing was, um, I think, probably the most impressive part about it to me. Um, he just, you know, I have a great relationship with my father. I, you know, I I don't know how a lot of people. I mean, obviously, I, I don't know how every, how all of our listeners are because you know everybody has different experiences. But his relationship with his girls um, was extremely cool, and you, you know, it's I, I saw an interview with um, on ESPN early. I, I, one of, I guess one of the, um, the the anchors gave they gave their own little story about Kobe being a girl dad. And how somebody had joked to, to him that, you know, don't you want to have a boy? Don't you want to have a boy? And he was like, hell no. I'd have five more girls if I could. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, he, he really embraced that. And um, his whole life was about them. And, I you know, that really, that's something I really noticed over the, over the last couple of years. And so when I heard what happened, my immediately my first thing that I thought was, oh, you know, I, I just can't believe that for these girls. Like, this is terrible. Yeah. And then the whole false report thing came out about all four of them being on there, and that was a huge mess, and I just... I was on a plane coming back from a wedding, and I broke down in tears when I saw that false report. And I had to go to the... Uh, bathroom on the airplane just so like you know nobody could see me or hear me crying because i was just like i was so affected by that that was just terrible um obviously it ended up just being gianna which is still awful but you know it's it's just it's it's
0: well and i'll I'll say this too i mean you know uh, not only was that report wrong but at the beginning they were saying like it was four or five people, and then as it turns out, there were nine total. Like, just yeah. horrible.
1: And there was a report that said Rick Fox was on there. Yeah. I mean, it was a mess. Um, uh, but it's, by, by the time the whole thing was over, it just, um, it had really, it, it never really felt real. Still because doesn't, to me. It still does yeah, and it still doesn't, and um, it. <sighs> I, I, I've i had relatives die um, grandparents, cousin um, you know whatever and I've been affected by that but for whatever reason this has just really changed my view on a lot of things like um, you know I guess because of the suddenness of it yeah, and, and the unexpected nature of it um, you, you really got to kind of reevaluate your relationships with people. I know a lot of people have been saying that, but I, I totally, I totally understand what they're, what they're getting at. Like, I just want to, like the first thing I did when um, things kind of settled down was I texted all my closest, closest friends that, um, you know, I wasn't at the wedding with. And cause those, most of those people were on my plane, but I test, I, I texted a bunch of my friends and some of my family members and I was just like, I love you. And I just want you to know that. Um, cause it was, it's just, it's, it, it just affected me in that way where I was like, shit, you know, you never know when life's going to be done and you need to take advantage of every second that you have with your wife or your, your, your parents or your girlfriend or your brothers and sisters and your friends because you never know when it's going to be over
0: yeah yeah i mean look and i mean another reason for you know when i was growing up whether you liked him or not i mean our generation he he's just part of that era of nba basketball if you've been an nba fan you know since you were little like you know, both of us have, have been, you know, he's just, he's part of that era, you know, that it was Kobe, Duncan, Dirk, you know, that, that era of, of basketball. And uh, he was a big part of my childhood. And, you know, Dirk, he was basically playing, you know, my whole life. Didn't know what, you know, didn't know what life was like without dirt playing because by the time i really got into the nba he had already played a couple seasons so uh you know kobe was right there with him and so i mean i don't know it, it, it's just completely shocking uh the first part of his career you know it, you just thought kobe the the killer on the court you know you <laughs> he, he that's what you thought about when you saw him and then these last few years like i've heard a couple people mention he was he's been humanized more you know you saw him smiling and like you said hanging out with his kids and um uh, i mean it it's just it was a completely different different feel from what you saw and felt in the first part of his career so that's that's really unfortunate that's that's one reason why the you know the outpouring is is so much, you know, it's not just Kobe, the basketball player, it's Kobe, the, you know, cultural icon, um, you know, he's real big in the sneaker game, uh, I think it was Darren Rovell, I saw him tweet out that, you know, since he retired, just, you know, since he retired, like three years ago, and he started really getting into, you know, business, supposedly he has made more you know, in business doing that stuff than he did in his NBA career is what, if I recall that that's what he tweeted out the other day, which I mean, is incredible. So <laughs> I mean, Kobe, Kobe, the businessman is, you know, just as good as Kobe, the, the basketball player and, you know, Kobe, the father and, and husband and all that. So, you know,
1: yeah, and go ahead. sorry, I was just going to say, you know, off of what you just said he was always one of those people who was going to be successful at anything no matter what it was you know if he if he set his mind to something he was going to get it done and he was going to be the best at doing it and it seemed like he was well I mean he had already done that in basketball there's no doubt in my mind that from 1996 until about you know 2008, 2009, right around, you know, when the Lakers dynasty finally was ended. Um, he was the best player on the planet. You know, from when, I guess from when Michael retired until that Lakers dynasty ended, he was the best player on the planet. And, you know, now his, his business had exploded. And because he was working hard at that, he, he did the Players' Tribune thing Which was turned into a wild, you know, extremely successful thing.
0: And he was a huge, Um, huge advocate for all different, different levels of basketball, uh, especially women's basketball. Um, Yeah. So I mean, you
1: can see why because his his daughter was. I mean, there's there's tapes of him and of him spliced with his daughter, um, them both playing basketball and doing the same move. Yeah on a, on a turnaround fadeaway and man, she was going to be good. He had trade, he had
0: trademarked the, uh, or filed to trademark that term Mambasita. I mean, he, I mean, I I really, I don't know what, what much more else I can say about it. All I know is it's affected everybody. Uh, you know, our thoughts and prayers go out to all the, the families that were affected. Uh, it's just, just horrible um but you know something like this if you have to take something good out of it it's that it seems to pull everybody together not not just the basketball community either because like i was telling you matt before we got on here uh, you know i i'm in hattiesburg mississippi well about 10 miles away from hattiesburg mississippi and uh, you know i was in town tonight and saw a billboard up and then you know somebody else that i knew i went to high school with he posted a picture uh, on twitter another location there's another one had kobe on it said legend purple and gold and everything and that's uh, there's another one on the uh somewhere on the interstate too so uh, there's all there's three in this general area where people in my opinion living here my whole life don't necessarily care about basketball as much um you know, it's, it's a football town and mainly college football town with Southern Miss and everything here. But, you know, it, it it's affected everybody. And whether you're a huge NBA fan, whether you're a Mavs fan or whatever, uh, even if you don't follow the NBA as closely, you knew who Kobe was. And, you know, he had a huge impact on everybody. And, I mean, he, he's going to be missed. I mean, there, there's really not much – else we can say on it, but, uh, I mean, we're, we're, we're gonna just stop it there, uh, we're gonna take a little bit of a break here, uh, and then we're gonna come back on the other side, and we're actually gonna, you know, get into some math stuff, so, stay with us, we'll be right back, guys. All right, guys, we're back, uh, we're gonna get into some math stuff now, Matt, the, (laughs) We're not even going to talk about this game a lot, but we do have to mention it. But the Mavs... Do we? Do we? We have to. We have to at least acknowledge it because it did happen as as much as we (laughs) wish it didn't happen. But the Mavs lost 133-104 to to the Phoenix Suns at home. Surprise. They had another dud at home, which is a theme this year. Um. you know Luca. He he had uh, twenty one. Uh, what was it? Six and I think I think he only had two assists in that game.
1: Eh, who cares?
0: Uh, <laughs> well, I know it's not his fault. I mean, he can't force people to make yeah. shots. But uh, no, I, I just
1: mean like the the
0: stats or the whole. I mean, it, it was just the whole thing was a mess, right? Uh, I mean, it it was they they missed a chance to. Uh, Get their thirtieth win of the season. Uh, it would have been Rick Carlisle's five hundredth win as a head coach of the Mavs, but now they'll wait and you know try to get that this Friday when they take on the Rockets in Houston on ESPN. And the last time that happened, it turned out pretty good. They they ran Houston off the floor. So. Well, I
1: will count. I will counter that by saying, the last time they played a team that they hadn't played but till or since November they lost by 29 points which was the Phoenix Suns.
0: Yeah, but that was also at home. And as <laughs> we know, <laughs> the Mavs are just a different animal on the road for whatever reasons this year. They they're, they're so much better on the road than they are at home. And I mean, I don't know I don't know if that's just a scheduling thing. I don't know if they've just, you know, ran into some some bad luck with you know some of the calls they get because it does seem like they get some pretty crappy calls at home versus on the road uh, just from my perspective but you know it's not all that. Uh, I don't know maybe they just embrace you know going on the road and having this us versus the world mentality and it just helps them perform better. but I mean the last time they played in Houston it was like a it was a matinee game. on a sunday and they just ran houston off the court 137 123 and that score is not even as close (laughs) you know or not it's too it's it's closer than what people would think because i remember they were up by like what 23 24 points something like that i don't know a lot Uh, (laughs) a lot (laughs) luca had 41 um it was just it was great so after getting their butts kicked as bad as they did in that phoenix game and you have a few they have a few days to just kind of sit on that and you know let it stew i kind of like their chances um uh, i mean i if you don't come back from a game like that and show some fire i mean i i don't know what to say if you don't come back from that and do that then i i think it's it's a sign that you know this team isn't going to last very long in the playoffs. I'll say that your thoughts.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I, I've been trying to figure out why they struggle at home.
0: It's weird. I still
1: don't know what it is. It doesn't make sense. They're 13 and 12 at home. Um, if that was the road record, I'd be like, "Eh, sure. They're fine on the road whatever, but home is where you, where you make your bacon. And I don't even know if that's a saying, that's just what came into my head. But, um, (laughs) I mean, it is
0: where I make my bacon.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, it, it, it really doesn't make sense. I don't know if it's the energy at the American Airlines center. Um, because I mean, I'll be, I'll be brutally honest they always talk about how great the crowds at the American Airlines Center are. Sometimes they are, but man, a lot of times they're not, and it's just a bunch of people who are watching the game. Halfway, and they're there with their um, mistress or girlfriend or whatever, and it's just it's not it's not playoff atmosphere like it is at some of these places all the time, yeah. um, like Oklahoma City. It has a great crowd. Um, And I I don't know if... Or, you know, the LA teams have great crowds. I don't know if if Dallas is really back to that yet. So maybe that has something to do with the team's energy level.
0: Well, Um, I have a theory. But... But... uh,
1: Maybe they just get too comfortable. Whatever it is, they need to fix it because... Or, or, or hell, maybe they don't, Dalton. Maybe they're going to be a six, seven, or eight seed, and they're not going to have home court in hey. the playoffs, <laughs> and that'll be an advantage.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, I, look, I mean, really, I, I've mentioned this a few times, and I'm sure people are thinking like, "Well, he's maybe you're joking." I mean, obviously, you want to have home court. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure if we'd want to have home court or not. I mean, if if we have anything going for us when we hit the playoffs it's that one we haven't seen luca in the playoffs yet and the last time or you know when he played for real madrid or uh, you know anything overseas when he was in the postseason you know he he's very decorated i'll just say that i'm not going to make any wild uh predictions here but i'm just saying we haven't seen playoff luca yet so i mean that could be a whole new monster <laughs> and then second i mean they're, they're battle tested yeah they're they're they are they have a lackluster home record but they're incredible on the road let me see what their road record is i think it's uh i think it's 15 and hold on just a second it, it won't take me long to pull this up they're 16 and 6 on the road that's crazy yeah. that is crazy uh and to be 13 and 12 at home Versus sixteen and six on the road. I mean, I don't know, man. That's that's weird. (laughs) But like you said, maybe they get to the playoffs, and even if they don't have home court, it's just like, well, we've been doing this all year. Who cares? And you know that when they do eventually play their home games in the playoffs, that that's going to be a you know a different atmosphere because oh, it's the playoffs. now. Everybody's coming. (laughs) But. My theory is, I think I think it's a combination of things. You know, you hear people say that uh, the 300 levels, there's a ton of passion up there, which I believe. I mean, it. I've I've been up there before. That's where I was sitting uh, during Game Four of the the NBA Finals, and it's just it's it's a great atmosphere up there. If everybody in the arena <laughs> were at like the 300 levels, it would be rocking every single time. Uh, but, you know, in the lower levels, it's, it's just not that way. Uh, and, I mean, I don't know. You know how, they, how the Mavs have, like, the longest uh, season ticket uh, sellout streak in all of sports? But, you know, yeah, it's only it's that way. Streak. Well, I was about to say, <laughs> it's only because, you know, the Mavs, they donate tickets uh, to keep the streak alive. They give them to people. And... I'm almost wondering if that has something to do with it. Uh, maybe Dirk retiring has something to do with it. Uh, you know, the Mavs, they've missed the playoffs for three three straight seasons. Uh, they only won 33 games last year, and then Dirk retired. And, yeah, they had Chris Stops, but, you know, he was coming off of uh, ACL injury, hadn't played in almost two years. I mean – I'm wondering if people just didn't think this team was going to be good and they just haven't realized it yet. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm wondering if there's like some, yeah, you've got some people that are Mavs fans, but maybe they're Cowboys fans first. You know, like our guy, Will Kane, even though he's, I'm not, Will, if you're listening to this, I'm not saying you're like these people. I'm just saying you, <laughs> he admitted that he's Cowboys first, Mavs second, Um. Uh, but maybe you have some of these people that, ever since Cowboys season ended, they started to tune in to the Mavs, and the Mavs just haven't been that great, you know, since the the Cowboys in, uh Cowboys season ended. Uh, since the Cowboys uh, season ended, though, the Mavs are eight and eight overall. Maybe so they're
1: playing like the Cowboys.
0: Right, they're playing like the Cowboys, <laughs> <laughs> and maybe. Maybe that's part of the reason why, you know, some of the fans aren't into it. Uh, But whatever the reasons are, I mean, like somebody pointed out to me earlier today, I mean, you can't put it on the fans. Regardless, you know, the Mavs have to come out and take care of business, you know, whether the home crowd is super energized or not because they're they're capable. I mean, they have the ability. We see it on the road. It's it's just it just doesn't happen at home for whatever reasons, and they've got to figure it out. So, I I don't know exactly what the issue is, but it it may be more psychological than anything else. Kind of like Lucas free throws.
1: Yeah, that's that's a problem too. But hey, it's <clears throat> It's a real, real issue. Rick Carlisle knows it's an issue. He talked about it. Um, I, I don't know if there's a solution. Um, your theory about the Cowboys season, season ending and and what have you. Um, but I mean, let's, is interesting. But
0: I mean, let's be real. I mean, it was still a problem before that. I mean, right.
1: <laughs> but so nobody thought the team was going to be good or not this good um they're i think i think it's fair to say they're shattering or they have shattered even your expectations right right so i just don't know that i just don't know that there's there's any any Legitimate reason why fans wouldn't be excited. Um, it maybe it's the weather. Maybe it, it it doesn't make sense. It it really doesn't. And maybe I I just keep coming back to maybe they feel too comfortable at home. Maybe they go home I mean, to their. I mean, think to, about that statement. To though. Hugo and and Fortnite and whatever. And they get a little too loosey goosey, and you know, they just they're not as prepared as when they're all together as a group on the road with Rick and they're just focusing on the game. Maybe that has something to do with it. That's not an excuse because they're NBA basketball players, but that's like the only thing I can think of because it boggles my mind.
0: Well, I think it's a case of them not being comfortable enough, uh, you know, instead of being too comfortable. I, I don't know, They it's just completely a different feel, and uh, yeah, the Mavs have, you know, lived up to, or even outperformed my expectations to this point in the season, uh, which I, I mean, I always expected them to be... Uh, in contention for the seven seed or in that range this year, uh, no matter what their final record ends up being. But uh, I mean, okay, let's just say this. How they're performing right now, I think they're definitely going to make the playoffs. We've talked about that before. Uh, I don't know where they'll end up, but I think it'll definitely be somewhere between five and seven, in my opinion. But I mean, what do they with the trade deadline coming up, we're going to kind of transition here. What are you looking at with a week left? Cuz I mean, look, unless unless something crazy happens between now and next Thursday, we may be doing a trade deadline pod. <laughs> you know, or or it might be after the trade deadline if nothing goes down. So I mean, this might be our last chance to just, you know, really talk about it. I'm looking right now and I mean it's just dead you know any kind of Mav's rumors uh trade speculation is dead uh you saw Tim McMahon I think it was on the it might have been on hoop hoop collective or either on the radio or whatever but he was he was the source it got uh reported today or rehashed that you know league league executives think that the Memphis Grizzlies believe that they have. Uh, Mavs offer to fall back on for Eagledala if they can't get a first round pick, uh, even though the Mavs have continuously you know refuted those uh, beliefs. but other than that, there's just really not much going on. I mean, uh, a week or so ago we we saw that Kevin O'Connor report that uh, the Mavs were interested in Robert Covington, which we've known for a little bit, but we didn't know that. Uh, or he reported that they've already made multiple offers that have been declined. I mean, other than that, I mean, what are we looking at here? Cause the Mavs, they're known for doing stuff that just comes out of nowhere. Just like the Willie Colley Stein trade. I mean, it, <laughs> nobody was, was expecting that. And then it happened. So, I mean,
1: Willie Colley Stein was one of them. Um, Porzingis was one, um, we could kind of sense the Harrison Barnes Barnes thing coming just yeah. because it made sense that there, that his contract would be moved given the other ones. Yeah. And um, I, and I mean, for to the be, most part, they're very tight lipped.
0: And to be fair, that's why this Iguodala stuff keeps coming up. It's kind of similar to the Harrison Barnes stuff. Cause we were hearing Harrison Barnes, Sacramento murmurs like a couple months in advance, uh, before the trade deadline. and, uh, sometimes in those situations where there's enough smoke, there's fire. And uh, sure enough, that was the case then. So that's probably the reason this Iguadala stuff won't go away. But, I mean, look, unless at this point, especially since the Mavs have already sent that Utah second rounder uh, to the Warriors for Willie Colley Stein, unless Memphis just wants to take Courtney Lee in like a future second that just doesn't matter, the Mavs aren't going to do that. I mean, <laughs> they're they're not. Yeah, they're gonna,
1: not trading the Warriors pick. They're
0: not going to trade the Warriors second rounder for Iguodala. It's it's just not going to happen. So, I mean, I, I honestly think that if the Grizzlies continue to play hardball like this, they're just going to miss out completely and end up buying it, buying buying him out. <laughs> right after the trade deadline passes. So.
1: Um. So. I mean, honestly, obviously we've had our our sights set on. Really what it boils down to is it's been three players. I think that um, you and me and most of the people that we talk to, not like, Within the Mavericks organization, I mean, like people that we yes. talk to every day, like people, on Twitter and text people, and everything.
0: People plugged into what the Mavs are doing or, or what the Mavs kind of need. You know, they watch the games like yeah. we do and all that.
1: Right. Our, our basketball conversations. Yes. With our basketball people, um, it seems this consensus pretty pretty much seems to be Danilo Gallinari. And I I think I can put this in order of likelihood a little bit, just because of who wants more and who would be easier to get. Yeah. I think, you know, Danilo Gallinari, Bogdan Bogdanovich, and Robert Covington. I think Robert Covington's the most accessible of those pieces. Um, I know that they've been turned down. The Mavericks have been turned down in their pursuits of him, according to O'Connor. Yeah. I don't know how, what they've offered. I don't know. You know, nobody really knows what they've offered. I, not that, at least that I'm aware of. Um, it could be they're like, "Hey, we'll give you a second round pick, and you take our trade exception," or you know, yeah, whatever. I don't. I don't know. It, I don't even know if that's a legal trade. I'm just putting that out there. It'd have like, to be
0: separate trades. I think. I don't think you can. I, I don't think you can combine anything with the trade exception. Not even picks. I think that's what uh what D Lord told me last time.
1: Okay, whatever it is. I just... i they, They're they probably holding back, maybe giving them Brunson or giving them something else that would tip the scales in their favor because they're hesitant because they think, well, maybe we could get something else if we use this piece here. Let's just keep looking. Um,
0: see, so here's the thing with... And I, I agree with your consensus, by the way. I, I think that's... I think that's pretty much the list right now, or at least what we're hoping for, um, you know, as far as guys that are gettable and they, they feel a, a need for the Mavs, but I think I think the Mavs would be okay sending Brunson to Minnesota for Covington if they had another deal lined up to bring in another ball handler, another guy that can create his own shot, uh, whether he's a starter or come off the bench or whatever. So I'm, I'm like wondering if there's any way that, you know, they could, they could do a trade or do two separate trades, like do a trade sending Brunson to Minnesota for Covington uh, you know, give them a second-round pick if they have to do it to, to get the deal done and then turn right back around, and maybe they could get Bogdanovich uh, from Sacramento. You know, I, I, I don't know. You'd obviously have to part with either either uh, Seth Curry or DeLon Wright. I mean, I don't know if the Mavs w- would do that. <sighs> But I mean, Matt, if you <laughs> if you end up swapping Brunson and Wright, and you end up with Bogdanovich and Covington, I mean, that'd be a pretty good haul. I again, I don't know exactly what Minnesota is wanting. I don't know what the Mavs have offered, but if if Brunson is the hang up, I think you have to you know continue to explore before the deadline and see if there's another way. You can add another guy that can handle the ball and create his own shot, like Bogdanovich, and see if you can replace Brunson. And if you can, if you have another deal in place, then you pull the trigger on both, and you're you know you're good to go. So,
1: okay. My my thing. I, I,
0: did I just blow I your mind? I think Brunson
1: is the hang No. I, 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 <laughs> okay. I literally suggested this exact scenario okay. to you like a month ago. <laughs> and I showed you how it could work on TradeNBA.com, which is a great... It's way better than ESPN. We highly suggest you now go look, check it out. No,
0: I'm not talking about a three-team trade. I'm talking about the Mavs just doing two separate trades. So, I I, I think you suggested it a three-way, but... Well, well that came out of phrasing. <laughs>
1: It doesn't. It doesn't have to be a three-way trade, but the it's fundamentally the same thing. So Robert Covington makes eleven point three million dollars, which
0: that matches up. doesn't
1: fit into the Mavs trade exception anymore, which would be nine point six five million or, yeah. or take a, a you, couple thousand. Courtney
0: million. Lee would have to be part of it,
1: right? So. Courtney Lee and the Warriors pick for Robert Covington, I think, is fair for both sides. It's an expiring contract and an asset, like a good a good pick for Robert Covington, who they've been shopping around anyway. Could they they get better? Maybe we don't know. Yeah, and then you could turn around and you could send. Let me see if this works, but you could turn around, and send DeLon and um, why am I, we've just been talking Oh, Jalen Brunson. <laughs> it's been a long week guys. You have to, you have to bear with me here. You partied too um, hard at that wedding, <laughs> it, man. It, it was a problem. Um, anyway, you can turn around and send, I'm going to see if it works. DeLon and Jalen Brunson and a future second round pick for Bogdanovich. And it works. So you're getting a backup point guard, a two way guard, and a pick later down the line for Bogdanovich, who fits the Maverick system beautifully.
0: And I mean, what I was gonna say, the weird thing is, like usually when you see a lot of people interested in a certain guy, which we've we've seen a lot of people interested in Robert Covington, not just the Mavs, the Rockets were intrigued, even though I don't think think the Mavs can definitely you know beat out a offer for the uh, you know from what the Rockets can offer uh, the 76ers are interested in him ironically because they just traded him <laughs> last year and now they mm. need him again uh, so but even though we're hearing all these teams interested we haven't really heard like what exactly Minnesota's looking for. <laughs> You know what I mean? Well, like, the
1: one, th- the only thing we know is after they traded Teague, they mentioned they wanted to find another ball handler. Yes. So then and, maybe the
0: and there was a report that they were interested in a in a potential trade for Dennis Smith Jr.
1: Right. So so maybe the trade is actually.
0: Oh, I just had a galaxy um, brain moment.
1: Maybe the trade is actually. Um, Courtney Lee and Jalen Brunson plus a future second round pick for Robert Covington and then DeLon Wright and the Warriors pick for Bogdanovich
0: yeah yeah I I, I could definitely see that working uh, I mean I don't know I, I wish I knew more about what Minnesota wants so I could know if we're in, in anywhere in the realm of you know what would be possible to get him but or what Sacramento wants <sighs> Yeah, it's always weird with those upcoming restricted free agent guys. You know what I mean? Because obviously he's going to be looking to get paid this summer. Uh, They just committed a lot of money to Buddy Heald, but apparently, you know, (laughs) they just benched Heald the other night uh, for Bogdanovich even after giving Heald that extension. So, I mean, maybe maybe they want to keep Bogdanovich. Maybe they'll wait. Until this summer, and you know, give Bogdanovich his money, and then trade healed. I mean, who knows? Uh, there's there's just really not a ton of information out uh, right now with uh, you know, as far as rumors go, and you know, tidbits of information about potential deals leaking out and stuff like that. So, but I think that's going to change in like the next few days. the uh, The closer we get uh, to the trade deadline. Uh, we're going to know a lot more. And that's why I mentioned earlier, you know, uh, if, if nothing happens, you know, we'll be on next week either right before the trade deadline or uh, the night after. Uh, but, you know, maybe something big happens and we end up having to do an emergency pod here in the next few days. But.
1: Maybe. Um, I I don't know. I keep coming back to they're not going to do anything. That well, they're going to convince themselves. Let me finish. Just I have a I have a very pessimistic take here, Dalton, and you're really going to hate it. They keep saying how excited they are about Willie Cauley Stein, which doesn't make any sense. They 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 keep sure saying how he's he's a huge steal, he's a steal and a half. It's like okay, stop it. If you really thought he was that good, you would have signed him to. A little bit better than a minimum contract over the summer. Look so my, Matt, I I'm I'm my a thing is man. maybe they're no maybe they're maybe they're that convinced that they've done enough just like they were over the summer. That no. they, they're convinced that, oh, look how smart we are. We found this guy who nobody else really wanted and we're gonna make him the key piece to our to our second half of our season and now we don't need to do anything. That's what I'm afraid of.
0: Yeah, well look, I'm a salesman and uh I think Mark Cuban has that same <laughs> you know, he he's he's selling uh, people on that on the trade which listen, I do think that it has the potential to be a steal. But yeah, he he's overselling it right now, but I I do think that what they gave up, it was definitely worth the the risk, which was minimal, and then if it pays off, I mean that's that's a good trade, so I mean, I I, I would – a guy like Willie Colley-Stein, who's never been in a situation like what he's in in Dallas right now, I would give – and being – he's a uh, – I think he was the sixth overall pick in his draft two or three years ago. Three years ago. Uh, or was it four?
1: It was 2015 NBA draft. He was number six pick.
0: Okay, so four years ago. And so I would take a former number six overall pick, uh, over pick fifty four through fifty six, whatever it ends up being. <laughs> I, I'll take sure. that. I'll take that chance. And sure. I mean, unless uh, unless Isaiah Roby becomes just this, you know, really they really nice. They didn't even nice... let him play. Really, really nice young piece in OKC, which does kind of scare me a little bit because Sam Presti, uh, (laughs) but I don't know. I mean, I I think it was worth the risk, and that we haven't heard anything, and everybody's kind of thinking that the Mavs, maybe they just won't do anything at this deadline. I'm the opposite. That makes me think that they're definitely going to do something. (laughs) It's just going to come out of nowhere.
1: Uh, Again, this is just me being a pessimist seeing what they did over the summer with how they were very cautious with their money and thinking they're kind of taking a similar approach to the deadline and saying, we feel like we have enough when they clearly don't. I mean, they've been much better than we thought. But I, I, at least in my opinion, they don't have enough specifically in on the bench to make a legitimate run in the playoffs. And I, I, I'm hoping that them training for Kali stein doesn't have them thinking oh yeah i think we've fixed our only weakness we're good to go because he like he was fine in the last game okay i guess but he was it was I good i mean i'm not going to i'm not going to i'm not going to jump to conclusions based off one game i didn't like no. the trade when it happened but i'm at least going to let the guy have a few games but I'll I just so, hope they're I'll not looking this, at it as if they're already done because that that scares me.
0: I'll say this: he only played 12 minutes, but he seemed to be one of the only Mavericks that <laughs> decided to try to attempt to play any defense <laughs> in that in that yeah. Phoenix game. So <laughs> I guess if you're yeah, looking, he was for also a, the
1: only one that missed a wide open dunk.
0: Yeah, but I mean, dude that that was his that was his first attempt, and he was going under the rim against Ayton. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> he probably didn't even think that was going to be a possibility when he went up for it. Anyway, I mean, look, there there's a lot that's going to happen here in the next, you know, few days. Uh, it's officially, uh, you know, by the time this hits your ears, uh, we will officially be 1 week away uh from the from the trade deadline. And it's going to get crazy. You know, we had uh Donnie Nelson on here uh not too long ago and He described it as a fireman's existence. He said that you may go for periods of time where the bell doesn't ring and then all of a sudden it's just ringing off the hook. So, I mean, that's what we're looking for here in this next week is for some activity to get, you know, stirred up and hopefully we have a a very active trade deadline. It'll be a lot of fun for everybody, so... All right, guys, that's going to do it for another episode of the Mavs Step Back Podcast. Be sure to go like, rate, and subscribe on all of your favorite podcast platforms. If you listen to us on iTunes, uh, if you feel like giving us a rating and uh, review, feel free to do that. That always helps us out. And be sure to go find the Mavs Step Back Podcast on YouTube and subscribe there. Doing so automatically enters you for a chance to win two tickets to any Mavs home game of your choice. And that's until we get to 1,000 subscribers. We're, around, we're somewhere around 540, I believe, right now. Uh, so we're getting closer. We're over halfway there. Be sure to do that. And as always, we really appreciate y'all coming out and listening to us every week. You guys are the best. So y'all have a great rest of the week. And hey, maybe we'll see y'all for an emergency pod here in the next day or so. Y'all have a good one. Feeling like power I'm about to shake up the spot I got the stew on the lock Yeah, never really cared about your opinions That is why I can't be stopped yeah, Rappers in the booth, know they be faking. I'm in the game, so I might get a flavor. Can't be with y'all, man, I swear I'm too basic. Don't shock the world, man, I swear I'm a tasteless. Feelings on my back, swear I'm in my back. Stack up in my past, man, I hate the rap. Man, we let a bread, I don't do no talking, I don't like a chat. Full me to the bag. Got me some boom, man, they smoke like a chimney. Cut from a place where it sound like they witness. I'm in the booth and I spit like I'm sickly. Kill me a beaker, produce a witness. Up in my city, the scene, and get wicked. I don't feel safe the devil won't get me. Talk to the quad, but I know they don't listen. World too cold, but a stand your feelings worry about me go and handle your business love by the streets but i'm hated by christians Walking to the church and i feel all the tension hard as hell mary and i am on god praying lord god why i'm stuck my face.:
1: sugar ray leonard roberto duran marvelous marvin Hagler, and thomas hearns legends whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history